Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, for today's podcast, we're joined very kindly by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hi, Jonathan. Good to be back. So myself and Alan, we're recording this podcast in the midst of the US election. So we're not going to comment too much uh, on that because there, there's set to be some uh, some changes later on today. Uh, to give us some context, we're just waiting on the last remaining states, including Nevada uh, and Pennsylvania, um, set to be the, the key ones to... Um, finalise their results soon. So things could change dramatically there. But one thing that we can comment on, Alan, is this very sharp movement in the US equity markets, which did obviously follow through to, to global equities. I mean, how much do you think that move is is down to uh, a potential winner, that that being the, the market perception that it, it could be Biden or the market perception that it could be Trump? Or how much of that do you think is down to just the pure fact that there's a huge amount of uncertainty being removed from the market now in that we are going to get a result at some point? I think that's exactly it, Jonathan. I mean, as we speak, Biden's ahead, but uh, given the given the events uh, in this election so far, um, anything could happen, literally. But I think it's the, yeah, uh, markets hate uncertainty is the one thing they hate. And they'll sell off because 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 people are uncertain uncertain of the of the outcome of a an event that will shape the market then they will a lot of people will take their money um off the table and and wait until um until a clearer course emerges and of course um as we speak it appears that biden is on course to get into the white house but of course if trump can continues to sue all the states where the where the the uh where the voting uh, numbers are are close um still anything can happen um and and i think this is the you know it it's one of the the, the fundamental problems with uh, with us politics at the moment in 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 the way the electoral college votes um are are, are judged and, and and put to bed um nonetheless i, I mean there, some of the events have been astonishing i mean i on, on a tweet this morning i shared um i shared an image uh, and a, a video clip of trump's spiritual advisor calling Calling for for help from from heaven, uh, the angels, and everything else, and I just thought right there, you've got everything that's wrong with U.S. U.S. politics. But, but anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But suffice to say, I think because we are moving closer to an outcome, um, I uh, you know we we've seen a, re- a relief recovery in the U.S. markets. So whether it's Biden or Trump that gets in, um, I think the markets will be buoyant in the next few days, and then obviously as the policies emerge, as the as the the manifesto for the new government um, uh, emerges, we'll see we'll see the markets move based on how they perceive uh, the the impact of the new policies will uh, or, or the impact the new policies will have on the markets. Indeed, I think one of the, the, the major uh, factors there is whatever the result may be, it does move the United States closer to a point where they're able to agree on a stimulus package, which of course will be a big boost uh, for financial markets as well as the uh, the Main Street uh, economy there. So that's going to be interesting to see how that 
uh, progresses. And I think that's something that the markets are going to be very much looking forward to. And just yeah, to bring it back to the to the UK now, Alan, because we're we're recording this on Thursday morning, just before uh, the Bank of England are set to put out their announcements uh, later on today, and. and um, it looks as though that there's going to be a 150 billion um, asset purchase package uh, announced. Now, th- th- this is something. Of course, we've just gone into to lockdown 2.0. Now, if we look back to the March lockdown and the moves from the Bank of England around that point, we went into a lockdown, and around the same time, we saw a, a package of stimulus unveiled by by the Bank of England. I mean, do you think that we're going to see a very similar setup as we did in March, where we saw a, a big sell-off into the, the lockdown, which we did see, of course, on, on a podcast a few weeks ago, we discussed complacency, investor mm. complacency, and that was at a time when, when equity markets were up and around, or the, the FTSE 100 was up and around 6,200, 6,300 of course, we've fallen down to, to lows around sort of 5,600 and bounced off of those. The case for seeing a very similar setup is quite strong. But do you see anything that, that could derail uh, a, a tick higher in, in the UK markets from here? Well, I think, uh, Jonathan, that sell-off has probably already happened. Um, the, obviously, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the lockdown was flagged last week and uh, markets sold off quite heavily um, at the start of this week but uh, they've they've recovered a bit um, a bit today um, uh, we, we now have a known known don't we we know um, the impact that uh, that um, lockdowns have on the economy um, it's not quite as restricted this time around uh, uh, obviously schools are still, um, schools are still open and colleges are still open and um, and uh, clearly with with the with businesses uh, with, with uh, online businesses uh, benefiting from uh, people sitting at home and, and ordering ordering uh, items um, uh, a lot of the certainly the construction industry will continue to um, progress as will I expect the the uh, uh, DIY industry. As people spend money on home improvements rather than uh, um, entertainment, because of course they can't go out. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, I'd like to think we're coming to the end of the lockdown, and I very much hope that the UK government um, has planned this out, uh, plans a lockdown before Christmas to to um, to disconnect everyone, if you like, to hopefully stem the increase in infection rates and um, and chronic cases. And then when we get to Christmas, um, uh, my guess is he's going to lift the lockdown. We'll celebrate Christmas, and then we may well go back down into another month's lockdown in the new year. Um, so, of course, what this will mean is additional spending from the uh, from, from the government coffers uh, on uh, on supporting businesses because they will have to, um, even though the the, uh, the furlough schemes aren't as comprehensive as they were earlier in the year. Um, uh, I do believe the government will will provide help for businesses that um, that fail as a result of coronavirus going forward. Um, and at the end of it, um, um, what will effectively happen is the government will be spending money uh, 
we've we, as as you as you said we we've had the the assets uh, purchase package again this month um which effectively serves to devalue currency so of course the commodity sector and um uh, the the resources sector should benefit from this and um we should see further increases in commodity prices and in particular the prices of precious metals as we go into 2021 indeed yeah, touching on precious metals there we we have seen a tick up again in gold but i mean the we haven't seen a return up to those highs that we saw um earlier on this year so that suggests i, th- I think to some extent that the markets aren't as worried as they have been mm. about the overall global economy so that's going to be interesting to to keep an eye on there but but on the topic of metals we we have um three stocks here that we're going to discuss as, as always and um, and we're going to let's, let's start off with the two that we've touched on previously in in blend cow resources and, and cadence minerals because these are ones that regular listeners to the podcast will be familiar with but we we've had some updates from them so let's start with with blend cow resources Alan what's been happening there okay so blend cow resources um epca bres um Shares are currently trading around 5.5p, have been as high as 9p on the year. Um, came to market um, uh, April last year, um, uh, and re- there was a reverse takeover um, of Consolidated African Resources. Um, uh, sorry, uh, um, yeah, uh, Consolidated African Resources, um, which is the owner of the Orem Cross Graphite Project. Um, now, this is a huge... A huge area. It's um, uh, the, the, there's an estimated jolt resource um, of some three billion tons of graphite, which includes the jumbo flake graphite. And jumbo flake graphite, of course, is used in um, in in uh, in uh, uh, lining steel foundries, uh, in fire retardants, and so on. Um, Smaller graphite flakes are, of course, used in lithium-ion batteries. Any any of those batteries that you pick up, the, um, the vast majority of the weight uh, in that battery is is from graphite. So, an essential component and very much a building block of the of the new uh, electrics, uh, electrical, and battery battery-driven industries uh, going forward. Um, so, this year has been a busy year for the for, for the team. Um, the uh, the company identified a high-grade zone close to the Orem Cross uh, 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 camp um, at, at, at the mining site, um, and they undertook a diamond drilling campaign, um, which uh, uh, in, uh, um, comprised of some sixty-nine holes um, over two thousand meters, um, and all of the drilling was undertaken to uh, go towards the Maiden Jaw resource estimate for the Orem Cross project. Um, those samples will be sent to. Uh, SGS, um, uh, who are one of the one of the leading um, uh, assay metallurgical, uh, metallurgical uh, laboratories in the world, and uh, certainly the most experienced in graphite. And the um, Blancow was seeking with those samples to confirm a ninety between ninety nine to ninety seven percent total graphite content in the samples. Um, so uh, we, the the uh, the the process has uh, continued. Um, they now expect, uh, with the delays from COVID, to have a jork estimate um, in early 2021. Um, and um, and it's interesting to note that several mine closures, particularly across China, ha- um, could mean uh, in the near future that graphite will be in short supply. Um, this morning, uh, the company um, uh, has a 
that has published a research note by Align Research um, on the on the uh, Orange Cross Graphite project. Um, the, uh, the the company has uh, um, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Align Research noted that uh, um, um, Blencow has a twenty one year mining license. Um, and uh, there's a, an awful lot of news flow and development to progress. And in in, in comparison to um, its uh, to, to its uh, peer group, uh, Blencount is relatively undervalued. So shares currently five point nine p. Line Research have, have attributed a price target of nineteen pence to the group. Um, and uh, if we look at uh, Sovereign Metals, for instance, they have a their ASX listed ever market cap of some 25 million. Um, Blencow currently have a market cap of some uh, uh, some five some five million uh, um, uh, sterling. So uh, they are some way behind sovereign metals. So um, really, the price uh, the price target from a line reflects the valuation of the peer group. Um, uh, uh, the, the peer group, which includes sovereign metals, other companies, of course, are silo resources and walkabout resources. Um, nonetheless, we uh, we expect. Um, there's some big news to come, and obviously, once we have the jolt resource estimate early in 2021, I believe that will trigger a re-rating for the stock. And um, uh, of course, they're aiming to get the mine into production by 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 2024. So um, everything to play for. Indeed, indeed, a moment that we have discussed previously, and, and uh, a particularly bullish uh, uh, price target there from. A line, obviously, you know, this, this is one of these companies that, that can produce, you know, it's a relatively high risk, but can produce some, some stunning returns. Uh, sometimes it falls into that category. So certainly one to to keep an eye on. So uh, just moving on now quickly, Alan, to Cadence Minerals. Again, one that we have discussed in, in some details, but it's one of these companies that's um, got a number of projects that it's working on. Uh, and of course, that comes with a, a very interesting and engaging news flow. So, what's been the uh, the latest from them? Okay, well, um, uh, we have spoken about Cadence Minerals before, so I won't go into details on the on all the projects. Suffice to say, the company has a has a fifteen percent stake in European Metals Holdings, which owns the Sinovec Lithium and Tin project on the Czech German border. It has a thirty percent stake in the Yangebana Rare Earths. Uh, project uh, certain mining licenses down there has a thirty percent stake in that's been developed by Hastings um, Hastings Technology Resources um, has a small stake in Macarthur Minerals that um, owns the Lake Giles Iron Ore project where there's a takeoff agreement with Glencore and it has um, a thirty percent stake in two joint venture companies at the Sonora Lithium project in Mexico along with uh, stakes in a couple in three uh, three lithium projects um, also in in Australia um, the flagship project however for cadence minerals um, is the Amapara iron ore project and this is a former anglo-american iron ore mine based in northeastern Brazil um, the mine was operating um, uh, it, it, up, up to 2012 um, and anglo-american at that point valued the mine and uh, which includes a railway and, and its own private port valued the uh, the asset that's 600 million on its books. Um, the mine was subsequently um, uh, allowed to, allowed to lapse and uh, hasn't been used since that time. It's owned by a company called Dev and uh, Cadence Minerals um, and uh, Indosino's partner are uh, basically own and control the company Dev. Um, 
they have had to undergo a or, or, or jump through a series of hoops in order to get the mine recommissioned. And the most critical one, um, well, uh, this year so far, they've had permission to ship um, $60 million worth of iron ore tailings that are at the port in Santana. They've had permission to ship those, and that process is underway now. Um, they've had permission to recommission the railway, um, and that runs from the mine to the port. And indeed, on that route, uh, that route also served previously as a as a as, as a public railway as well as a, a as a freight line. So, of course, um, that will reopen the uh, the the um, the uh, the uh, the regular trains uh, along that route for the locals. Um, the the mine itself uh, requires recommissioning. Uh, there will be uh, some one hundred sixty eight million dollars to spend on that. A lot of it will come from the sale of the tailings. Um, and indeed, uh, production could recommence as early as 2022. But uh, at the start of this week, um, the the key, uh, the, the, the final um, hoop for the company to jump, for, jump through is settlement with the bank creditors from the, from the previous arrangement. Um, and uh, a, an agreement has been uh, reached with, us, with the uh, creditors. Um, that is now being legally drafted, and of course, because of the complexity and the and the size of the project, it will take a, a, it will take time to do this. But that drafting process is well underway, and we expect to hear news on that um, in the coming weeks and months. Um, highly significant too, um, as part of the recommissioning process, uh, a company called ba- uh, Baker Geological Services were commissioned to conduct a mineral resource estimate. Um, and they've now uh, come back with a resource estimate of 176 million tonnes of iron ore, um, which is 21% higher than the previous MRE uh, produced by Anglo-American in 2012. So, of course, what's that, what that has done is added further validation to the investment case and to the potential for, uh, for uh, uh, um, revenues from the mine once it's recommissioned in, in, in 2022. Um, the company expects, or Cadence expects, to generate some $266 million per annum in sales from the mine with $136 million in EBITDA. Um, now, given Cadence currently has a market cap of about um, uh, 15, 16 million sterling, um, once they get the uh, creditor agreement over the line and signed, they will own 20% of the Amap Ryan oil mine, um, and they have um, they have a right to to they have a right to um, own up to uh, firstly 29% and then 49%, which I'm sure they will take up. So that, of course, if you compare the numbers to the current market cap, once that uh, once that deal is over the line, it will trigger, in my opinion, a a large re-rating for Cadence Minerals. And I've said this. A, this before, but um, clearly that process has to happen before the re-rating will occur. So obviously there's a huge difference there between the market cap now and what it could be, you know, looking at sort of peer uh, valuations and and the earnings potential there. And, you know, one would ask the question, what what is stopping the, the, the market from taking up towards that market cap now in anticipation of this earnings coming through in, in, in the future, what does that sort of deal look like? Are there any hurdles there? Um, you know, wh- why aren't we seeing this, this sort of jump up at the, at the moment? What, what should investors be looking for to, to happen? Well, I, th- I think it, it is just that the, the um, all the, permi- the permissions are in place. They've had they've been working with the local government there for 
for the last year and a half um, tirelessly. I mean, and, and of course, it's well documented the impact that COVID has had in Brazil, particularly in the northeast. So they've had the lockdown to battle there too. Um, the, um, the 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 key, the, the, of, of course, for the for the region. I mean, the, the region is it's. Um, I wouldn't say it's impoverished, but certainly, certainly there is a, um, a, a fair amount of poverty in the region. And um, recommissioning the mine will, of course, create employment. It'll bring health benefits, educational benefits back to the region. So they have full support of the government to do that. But clearly, when you've got creditors that um, uh, have had to stomach the losses they've stomached uh, or they've had to take on board, um, it's been a, a very drawn out and protracted process uh, to come to an agreement with the creditors and of course as with any agreement like this the devil is in the detail so there's a huge the legal drafting is taking place but um, that in itself I imagine will run to (laughs) many many pages thick so uh, of course that process takes time there are lawyers costs and everything else so so um, I think investors are probably hedging their bets at the moment we've seen the price push up as high as 16p um, I, I, I believe it will go much higher than that. If you look at where it's been previously when a map was first brought in um, and the other projects were, were sort of bringing, uh, bringing sort of uh, share price gains into the company, uh, we saw the shares push as high as 40p, uh, I think, last summer. So that to me seems to be a reasonable target uh, initial target once the once the agreement is over the line, and then of course if Cadence decides to up its stake, then uh, we'll see proportional a proportional uh, proportional increase again. Um, so yeah, I think it's the the uncertainty over the settlement of the finances um, that is preventing the price from pushing any higher now. Um, even though we seem to be uh, on the cusp of getting this done, but. Um, I think we'll we'll have news on that in the in the coming weeks and uh, uh, certainly before Christmas. Indeed, and I think, as we said, that's one that we've just well, we discussed previously. So um, yeah, welcome any updates on that as they as they come. Some very interesting projects um, that they're working on there. So the the final stock that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning is is one that we I don't think we've discussed on the podcast previously. Uh, but it's Keras Resources. So they have a particularly interesting manganese project. Manganese is used in uh, the production of steel and, and other um, alloys. So what's been happening at the company there, Alan? This is a really interesting company, actually. It was uh, it was highlighted by, um, by, by, by somebody I, I'm in touch with on Twitter, and they just said, have you looked at this? And I took a look, and um, uh, the, you, we, we've got... Um, Perhaps I shouldn't use Boris's uh, terminology, but an oven-ready company here, in my opinion. That, and I don't think the value here has been realised yet. But uh, nonetheless, uh, so Keras Resources, Epicode is KRS. Shares have traded as high as 0.5p on the year and as low as 0.06p, currently at um, uh, 0.13 pence, giving it a market cap of just just over six million. Um, two primary projects uh, in the group, um, as you rightly said. The Niagara Manganese project, uh, the company owns 85% of that project, uh, and that's based in Togo in West, uh, in, in West Africa. Um, uh, the Niagara Manganese project entails a 20-year permit uh, to, to mine uh, across some uh, nearly 30,000 hectares, which is a huge, which is a, a, a huge area. Um, so the, the, um, 
the area that uh, is in particular focus at the moment is some two, two and a half kilometres long by 500 metres wide and some 3.3 metres uh, thick. Um, and there's a Jork mineral resource estimate already in place for just under 14 million tonnes, 13.97 million tonnes, um, 12.5% of manganese and uh, the ore, um, the, the ore, there's 8.5 million tonnes. Um, entailing 14% uh, of manganese. Now, uh, the Togo government here has a 10% free carry. So anything produced, of course, is um, it, it's uh, that the Togo government basically uh, earns from that as a result of the, I guess, um, uh, allowing Keras to proceed with the with the project. Um, what's interesting, though, is there is a fully installed capacity at the mine already to produce six and a half thousand tons per annum without any further capital required so so this is in effect already up and running um and uh, furthermore the company said that test work they've undertaken indicates that there are recoverable reserves of over 90 percent of of manganese and as you rightly say manganese is an ore that's uh it's uh it's suited to production of um, of, of alloys, both in steel making, in copper, nickel, nickel alloys, and of course, the, the net result is that um, manganese ore improves the hardness and tensile strength of steels, and is also very conductive as well. So, the copper alloys, uh, it uh, and the nickel alloys, um, it, it's it, it's it's very useful in uh, in uh, in production for 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 the battery and battery industry. Um, there are already. Uh, Takeoff uh, agreements uh, um, uh, under discussion, um, and um, in leaching tests that have been undertaken, the ore quality has been proven um, superior to those produced by South African manganese miners. And um, there's there's a break, you know, South African manganese is uh, it, it's one of the core suppliers for, for for the industry globally. So the fact that this is um, this is uh, has pr- been proven to be superior through testing is a major feather in the cap for the Niagara project. Um, they have um, already projected annual revenues from these take takeoff agreements that are in place. Some $32 million uh, revenues are expected from uh, from uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the manganese uh, uh, from the Niagara project once in production and uh, generating EBITDA of $9.5 million. So, um, you know, given where we are, I think, uh, I think, the Niagara project alone justifies a market cap well well ahead of where the where the where the current market cap sits. Um, so that's that's basically the manganese element of the Keras Resources offering. Um, they also have earn have a an agreement with the Diamond Creek phosphate mine in Utah, and of course phosphorus has a has numerous applications. Uh, uh, some in military, some in the Agriculture and industry, um, a fifty-one earning, fifty-one percent earning interest for um, the Diamond Creek phosphate mine in Utah that covers some three hundred forty hectares. Um, Utah is well regarded as a mining-friendly state, um, and already they've established uh, through bulk sampling uh, that the, the the mine processing project logistics uh, support um, up to up to fourteen percent phosphorus available from. Uh, from the from the material as it's extracted from the ground, and that's versus um, versus the a competitive average of around three percent. So um, one of the one of the highest quality phosphorus mines potentially available. Um, initial costs uh, once the mine is in production are two hundred twenty nine dollars per ton. 
But as market share grows and um, more uh, more ore is extracted, that will drop to $92 per tonne. Um, and indeed, um, the, uh, the historical data from the service uh, indicates that on the surface, there's 5 million tonnes available to extract immediately. And underground, there's a further um, for the 7.8 million tonnes. So, so again, you know, two oven-ready projects, uh, pretty well ready to go. Um, just a, a bit about the board as well. Brian Moritz is the chairman. Brian, of course, is uh, is is will be known to, uh, to many uh, for his work um, with Afplats uh, previously, and of course, Metal Bulletin, uh, which is well, well known. And then you have. Um, uh, the constituents of a team that were involved with Chromex Mining. Um, Russell Lamming is the CEO, uh, former CEO of Chromex Mining and Goldplatt. We have Dave Dave Reeves, who's uh, also the chairman of European Metals Holdings. Of course, EMH is one of the uh, investee companies um, uh, 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 that, that Cadence Minerals uh, are, are engaged with. Um, um, and uh, the CEO, chief ops officer there is Graham Stacey, former Anglo-American and Chromex, and Jean, Jean Duplessis, who is also former Chromex. He is the representative of the company in the US and obviously dealing specifically with the Diamond Creek phosphate mine in Utah. But um, yeah, two great projects on the go there, um, you know, very much oven ready, as I said. And I think, um, and I think you know, any progress, any, any notable progress from these two projects uh, in, the, in the next uh, few weeks and months we'll see uh, should see um, a, a move north in the share price yes indeed I mean, looking through their releases i mean in august and september they've uh, obviously um started the sale of, of their products that's going to bring in some revenue so very interesting there and as you said oven ready alan there i mean what what do you feel is the so the goal, or should be the goal for investors with, with uh, Keris Resources, I mean, is this a company that they should be looking for sort of long-term growth and, and returns within the company, or is it, is it one that could potentially become a target for, for, for a larger player and, and offer investor returns that way? I think there's yeah I I, I think I think um, uh, once the once these projects are underway I'm sure uh, I mean particularly in the you know in Togo in, in West Africa there are so many mining projects underway there and um, and and I think there were some issues earlier in the year with the with the with the Togo government there was a change in government but uh, but um, they the the group have had reassurances uh, from the new incumbent government uh, that. Uh, um, it's business as usual. So, um, so, so the so I I, I think uh, I think th- this is a company that could go it alone. As I, I think the important thing to remember is with the Niagara project that um, they already have a fully installed capacity to produce six and a half thousand tons without any further capital investment. And I think to bring it on stream would involve uh, you know very little further investment um, to, to 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 get the mine sort of operating to full. To full capacity, so that's what's uh, interesting. Um, against it, I think you know, you know, you've got the jurisdiction. Possibly, some some people may not be keen in investing in that jurisdiction. But um, um, I think uh, any progress from Togo, um, I, I said, I think you know, Togo project alone is worth many times the current market cap. So, um, so uh, progress at either project is going to result, I think, in a in a push higher for the share price. Yeah, it's it, certainly interesting times. Uh, there at Kerrison, and one that I think we'll probably be discussing again in the future, like many of these stocks that we discuss on the uh, on the podcast, Alan. So, Alan, thank you very much for being with us on the on the UK Investor Magazine podcast today.
Thank you, Jonathan. A pleasure. Let's hope. Um, let's hope we know what uh, the outcome of the US election is next next time. Yes, yeah, next Wednesday when we have our, our podcast. Hopefully, we have a little bit more certainty because there's going to be some very interesting talking points there. Um, and indeed, I think for reflecting back on this week, there's certainly going to be uh, a discussion there to be had about the, the UK markets going forward there. So, looking forward to that, Alan, and uh, um, speak to you then. Indeed, thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Now, bye bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.